So tell me what you see. What do you see? Is it a glass half full? Or is it a glass half empty? Now, the reason I ask is because today, as we continue our series called On the Road to Realness, we're looking at those who walk what we're calling the road of adventure. And those who walk the road of adventure, they know what this is. This is a glass half full, because they're glass half full kind of people. But it's not just that. What they'll tell you is that if you take this glass and you freeze the water, you mix it up, you add some Cointro, some tequila, and some lime juice, you've got yourself a margarita. The people who walk the road of adventure, they are fun, they are optimistic, and they're always thinking about what's possible, what can be accomplished, what can be done in the future, and they are always game for trying to tackle it and hunt that future down. If you don't have someone in your life who walks the road of adventure, you need someone in your life who has this personality, who walks the road of adventure because they make life fun and they unlock all kinds of possibilities. Those who walk this road remind me of a particularly important character in the Christian scriptures. We read about him just a little bit earlier. They remind me of King David. King David was joyful. He sang songs. He, he wrote music. He, he strikes me as the kind of king who would sing karaoke with his people or strum the ukulele in the palace. He always had a positive view of what God was doing in his life, and even more importantly, what God was going to do in his life and in the life of his people. Uh, David was a visionary. He was, he was future-oriented. He, he had this, this vision of, of a grand temple for God's people, bigger than anything, better than anything they had ever experienced. And, and his songs are full of these, these beautiful pictures of how, how God was going to keep his promises in the future, how good and gracious God was not only today, but how great he was going to be to them tomorrow. And David was fun. I mean, who doesn't want a king that can sing some songs and play some music and throw a party? You need people like this in your life. If you think you might be on this road, just listen to what I'm about to say and see if this resonates with you. This is my attempt to kind of get inside of your heart and your mind. I can be optimistic to a fault. I can struggle with commitment. Anticipation is the best feeling. Sometimes I get so eager for what's next, I can't sleep. I struggle to complete tasks. Toward the end of a project is when I lose interest because I'm already thinking about the next project. I can always help someone find the silver lining. When things feel serious or heavy, I'm, I'm tempted to tell a joke. I don't like goodbyes or endings. And I think almost anything can become fun if you're willing to try. I can talk myself out of sadness and disappointment most of the time. I struggle with anything that feels like it might be holding me back. If that sounds like you, then this might be your path. This might be your personality. But again, you are in good biblical company if this is you, because there's no better company to be in than King David. And he exemplifies all the good and all the blessing that those who walk this road bring into this world. I already made it clear that, that you, on this road, you make this world a little more fun, but it's deeper than that. Here's what, what I would say. You bring joy and progress into this world. 
You help us to enjoy life a little more, and you help move us forward in this, in this world. Uh, Michal, uh, David's wife, she was not happy with David's dancing as he brought the ark into Jerusalem. He, he wanted God's presence to be at the center of their life together, and he was excited about the future now that God was present back in the city. And so, so he did what, what anyone on the road of adventure would do. He started to dance, but, but more than that, he kind of danced like a frat boy who'd had a little too much to drink. He, he stripped off a couple layers of clothing, and he danced around, and he kind of made a fool of himself. And his wife was not pleased with this, but he was undeterred. He was undeterred. He was overwhelmed with joy about what was, God was doing, but more importantly, what God was going to do. And listen to his response once again to his wife. He says this, I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this. David says, look, babe, if you don't like how I express my joy, then you're going to hate what's to come. Because I believe that God has even more reason for me to be joyful down the road. And you know me, when I'm feeling good, I got to dance. <laughs> that's what he says. And that, that's what makes life with you so great. You bring joy into the world that's, op that's, that, that's optimistic and positive and infectious. Not only that, because you're always thinking about what's next, your joy is always future-focused. You, you pull us forward into possibilities that, that we never would have thought of before. So, for example, David is just moments after, moments after David brings the ark back into Jerusalem. He's resting at his palace. And rather than just enjoy the fact that the ark has returned to Jerusalem, just a few verses later, he's dreaming. Not like asleep, he's, he's like dreaming of the future, and he's got visions now of a grand temple that should be built. He's not even enjoying his success, he's already thinking about the next one. This is what he says. After the king was settled in his palace, David said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a palace of cedar while the ark remains in a tent in Jerusalem. Nathan replied to the king, whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. David's been home 10 minutes, and he's already thinking about temples, the things he could build, the next thing he could accomplish. And that's part of the blessing that you bring. You keep us moving forward and dreaming and thinking big. Uh, one of my friends, Billy, uh, is on the road of adventure. He, he'll tell you, this is the road that he walks. He has this ability to see the future for you or for other people filled with possibilities that you could maybe never come up with. And that's what happens with people on this road. You ask them, what are my options? And all of a sudden, it's like that scene from the Russell Crowe movie 20 years ago, um, A Beautiful Mind, where he sees all of these equations kind of appearing in the sky. People who walk this road have that ability. You say, what's possible? Or what's next? And they can see this connecting to that and going to this and leading to this. And then they can give that gift to you and show you a brighter future, a different future, a more creative future than you ever thought before. So my friend Billy's made a whole career out of this. He's a consultant who flies around to churches and businesses and individuals and helps them see what's possible. Now, there is a downside to this because they're always thinking about what's possible and what's next. Sometimes when you're asking Billy or somebody else on this road uh, about you, you'll notice that they're a bit distracted. 
He will simultaneously be looking up his flights for the vacation he's wanting to plan, or checking the website of a competitor or the Twitter feed of a colleague so he doesn't mess, miss out on any possible kind of career opportunities. They're always thinking about what's next. And that's what brings me to some of the kind of the downside of those who walk this road. And if you're on it, you know what I'm about to say. The pitfall on the path of adventure is that you, you tend to um, avoid what hurts and obsess over what's next. You see, your, your constant focus on joy and the next thing is a coping mechanism. I mean, nobody really likes pain, but if you're on this path, you really, really, really don't like pain. Why that is? I'm a pastor, not a psychologist. Maybe something happened in your childhood. I'm not sure. <laughs> but what I do know is that you don't like to feel hurt, you don't like to see hurt, and you don't like to make other people hurt, which is why you often run away from things that hurt. It's why you also try to devour positive experiences. It's why you tend to tell jokes when things get a little awkward. It's why you tend to skew the, the story or the data in a positive direction, or you always have plans in your back pocket for what you could do should something go wrong. It's about avoiding pain. Last week, I was listening to a podcast about magicians because I'm what the kids call a nerd. And on this particular podcast, this magician was asked a question. He was asked, what do you do when a trick fails? And his response was fascinating to me. He said, oh, my tricks never fail, which, of course, isn't true. I mean, life happens. Things, things don't always go as planned. And so the interviewer pressed on this a little bit, and the response from the magician was this. I always have an out. Every good magician has an out. If I don't pull the right card or the assistant isn't cut in half in just the right way, I know what to do so that you don't see me sweat. You don't see me freak out. You don't see me mess up the trick and say, well, that didn't work. Guess I'll go home. I always have a way out of the difficult situation so that you don't see me struggle. And that's true with those who walk the road of adventure. They always have an out like a good magician. They always know what they're going to do if things get a little too painful, a little too difficult, a little too real, a little too hard. They always have an out. Now, when that happens, if you're always kind of pivoting away from pain, if you're always planning what's next, if you're kind of constantly distracted about the next thing, what can happen to those who walk this road is that you can get stuck in a rut. And that rut looks like this. You are devoid of growth, and you are filled with discontent. If you let this avoidance of what hurts and this obsession of what's next take root in your life, you will be devoid of growth, and you will be filled with discontent. Look, growth as a human being comes through hard things as a human being. Just the way it is. I didn't write the rules. I'm just here to share them with you. Growth as a human comes through hard things. It comes through discovering that you made a huge mistake and admitting it and sitting with it. It comes through the confession of sin. It comes through tragedy and loss and processing it. It comes through grief. On the other side of difficult things are deepened character, greater skills, renewed strength. But you don't get to those things without going through the hard things. And so if you are always pain avoidant, you will be growth deficient. That's just the truth of life. You will lack the character 
that the people around you need to have. You will lack the skills that your situation requires. You will not have what it takes to meet the demands of reality if you avoid the pains of reality. Likewise, if you are constantly thinking about what's next, you will never be able to enjoy what is. Those who walk this road, they are used to people who care about them saying things like this to them. Hey, hey, be here, okay? Or saying things like, aren't you ever satisfied? And the truth deep down is this. Not really. Or not for long. Here's the curse that those who are constantly thinking about the future carry. The curse is this. The future eventually becomes the present. And when the present arrives, you no longer want it. Because it's no longer what's next. And you're all about what's next. And for those of us who love you, if you're on this road, this makes us sad for you because we want more for you than just wanting more. We want you to actually possess, like truly possess and savor some of the joy that you bring to us on a daily basis. Now, I believe that King David walked this road in a really healthy way. But he didn't start out that way. He, he got to this place where he walked the road of adventure in a healthy way, I believe, by going through, not avoiding, but going through pain and suffering and struggle. You know, David's desire for the next great thing and his, his heart that was always wanted to conquer the future eventually led him to the rooftop of his palace. And on the rooftop of his palace, he was surveying his kingdom, and he did what he always did. He started to dream about what he wanted what could be? What was next? What would make him feel good? And then he spotted in the distance a woman named Bathsheba. And Bathsheba was not David's wife. Now, even if you don't know this story, <laughs> you know the story. So David's sin with Bathsheba is caught. It's, it's called out. A prophet in his household, confronts him, calls him out on his infidelity and his murder and all the things that he's done wrong, and, and David is caught red-handed. He can't avoid it. He can't put a positive spin on it. He can't do a dance or sing a song. He can't tell a joke. He can't escape anywhere else. He's forced to deal with the tragedy that he has caused. And the scriptures tell us that for an entire week, he lays on the floor in tears. For a week, he lays on the floor, weeping, grieving, calling out to God for grace and mercy. This is not what those who are on the road of adventure do. They feel pain for a second, and then they say, oh, they say, I know what I can do with this. I'll go this way. So for David to be on the floor for a week in pain, this is a transformative experience for him. And it's in this moment that he writes what we know as Psalm 51. Psalm 51 is David's prayer in his anguish, in his pain to God for grace, and he eventually gets to verse 12. And verse 12, I believe, is a moment of transformation for David. Look at what he writes in verse 12. He says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation, your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. This is the moment where David, who dances out of difficulty, grows up. In this moment, he's able to say what it is he really needs and where it really comes from. 
He, he sought joy and contentment on his own terms, and he's almost lost himself. Seeking thing after thing after thing, he's almost destroyed his life, but now he knows that joy isn't something you chase and conquer. It's something that's given to you. You receive it and you savor it. Real joy isn't about wringing opportunity out of the future. Real joy is about knowing that the one who made you loves you and that he sees you and that he cares for you. He gets this now. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And then he says, such a mark of maturity, then he says, sustain me so that I remember this truth and I trust this truth that joy isn't something that will come with the next best thing or as I avoid pain, but that joy comes from knowing that I am chosen and loved by you. Help me to hold on to this truth because I know that I'll do what I always do and I'll run away from this truth. Keep me anchored in this truth. That's a mature and healthy David. But how did he get there? He got there by sitting in pain and receiving God's grace. You will never know how deeply God loves you unless you're willing to sit with and confront and come to terms with the hurts, the mistakes, and the regrets that are within you. And to know that God sees all those things and still forgives you and still loves you. That's the place that David got to. And if you're on this road, you can get there too. But you're going to have to take a similar route. You can skip the whole Bathsheba part if you can help it. I would highly suggest that. Don't be like, honey, why are you on the roof? I'm like, don't. I'm like, but let me, be, let me be Nathan to you for just a second and, and receive this truth that I'm trying to tell you and sit with it, Okay. Your hunger for the next big thing or your fear that you might miss out on the right thing down the road is robbing you of joy today. And your unwillingness to confront and really wrestle with painful things is robbing you of growth today. And for those of us who love you, we want better for you than that. We want you to be fully present in this life that we live with you. We want you to know that you're fully loved by the God who made you. Now, now the good news is that God offers grace upon grace to you in Jesus Christ. And this is the part where you think, okay, this is where Matt's going to tell me I'm forgiven. He can skip this part because the line for brunch is getting real long. But I'm not going to skip it. Jesus Christ has lived, died, and risen to forgive your obsession with the future and your avoidance of what hurts. It's all forgiven. But because it's forgiven, it unlocks two powerful truths for you. Two truths that, that I hope and pray that if you're on this road, you will hold on to. Uh, the truths are these, that, that because of Jesus Christ, both pain and the present are safe. 
pain and the present moment are safe. And the reason I say it like that is because there's an urge in you to think that both those things are bad. But they're not. Because of Jesus Christ, there's no pain that you can encounter that can take away all that he's earned for you. Which means there's no pain that you can encounter that can, that can truly harm you or destroy you in the ways that really matter. Which means you can, you can sit with it and look at it and wrestle with it. It's not going to pull you under. You're not going to drown and die from it. You can deal with it. Because Jesus Christ has already conquered it. And, and Jesus Christ is the Father's promise that your future is bright. He's, he's not promised to tell you what it's going to be. He's not promised to, uh, to let you control what it's going to be. But, but he's made this promise. Through Jesus Christ, the one who holds the future holds you. And because the one who holds the future holds you, you can hold the present tightly. Without fear of missing out for tomorrow, you can hold the present tightly and say, Lord, what do you have for me today in this conversation with these people in this moment? That's what's true for you in Jesus Christ. And, and that, that's where the joy that you so quickly give to others, that's where the joy finally becomes your own. When you're able to grow from pain and be present with us in the moment. And Jesus Christ offers that to you because your pain can't hurt you and your future's secure for you. So be here. Now, now if you love someone who's on this road, there's, there's a couple things you can do to show them grace to help them be as healthy as possible on this road. Let me give those to you really quickly. The first is this. You can be mindful of the expectations you place on them. Because those who walk this road are so positive, um, they, they are glass half full people and they always see possibilities for the future, we can unknowingly create systems in our homes and in our workplaces where we overly depend on them to always have the new idea, to always make sure everybody's happy, to always entertain us. And in doing so, we can enable the very behaviors we're kind of asking them to let go of for the sake of their own health. So examine how you might be part of a problem with this person not ever being able to be present because you're always asking them to think for the future, or not ever being able to be with their hard feelings because you're always asking them to bring the happy ones. The other thing is that you can hold their hand through hard things. They're going to want to run from those things. But when your spouse comes home from work and they've had a really bad day and they don't want to talk about it, give him, give her space to think about it and feel it. Also, don't let them jump immediately into entertaining all of you as a way of avoiding their anger about the day that's gone by. Give them space, even if you have to force them into it. Go feel things. And also, when they do open up, when they want to talk on their terms, celebrate it and thank them for it. Listen to it. Be inquisitive. Ask questions. Show them affection in the aftermath of their sharing to encourage that sharing and that feeling. If you're on this road, I got two things for your growth, one that you're going to love and one that you're going to hate. The one you're going to hate is a spiritual practice called fasting. 
And it typically involves going without food. I told you you'd hate it. Going without food for a period of time so that you feel hunger. And you have more space and time and room in your day for prayer and reflection. The reason this is important for you is because you, you can't be hungry and be future-focused. When you're hungry, all you can think about is the fact that you're what? You're hungry. You are deeply attuned to what you're feeling to what you need, to what's going on right now as your stomach goes, you are in the moment, and that's a good practice for you. You need to know what that feels like. And it also creates space for you to reflect on that need and pray and talk to God about that need. That's a good habit for you, so you should look into fasting. You're welcome. The other is wonder. Not, not wonder as in, I wonder what's for dinner, but wonder as in awe. Wonder is, is taking note of the beauty and the blessing of the present moment. It's the ability to say, oh, wow, that's good, about something that's happening right now. I want you to take a cue from God in the first few chapters of Genesis. He makes everything, and then what does he do? He doesn't finish the task of creating all that we know and then immediately look to the future and say, all right, now how can I make 2020 really interesting for them? No, what does he do? He makes everything, and then he walks around calling it what? Calling it good. It's, it's moments of wonder. Oh, that's good. I like that. <laughs> that's good. Oh, look at that. That's good. What if, what if you spent more time of your day walking around not talking about what could be? Oh, I know this is so hard for you. Not what could be, but what is right now that's good. If you did that, it would force you into the present and it would give you a little more peace. David eventually got to this place of contentment, I believe. You can see it reflected in his writings. In the later Psalms, like Psalm 131, it's one of the shortest Psalms that he wrote, just just three verses, you hear a different David, not a David who's itching to build a temple, but a David whose soul is satisfied and whose heart is at rest. Psalm 131 says this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. In other words, I'm not thinking about things that are outside of my control. I know that's your job, God. And like a child who's just been fed and whose belly is full, I'm at peace. And then he says, oh, people of God, look to God for your peace too. Is this the same David who danced in front of the ark and who dreamt of temples? It is. It's a David who's grown through pain. and a David who's able to have peace in the present. And that's you, too. That's you because of Jesus Christ who's forgiven every sin and who has said to you, both your pain and the present moment are safe. You know, what we love about you, we love about the fact that when the rest of the world sees a glass half full, you see a margarita in the making. We love that about you. But here's what we love even more. 
you. And we would love to sit with you unhurried and unworried and savor that drink. Talking about difficult things but having peace in all things, knowing that the one who holds the future holds you and holds me. That would be good. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for those people in our life who walk this road who brings so much joy into our lives, who brings so, much, so many ideas and possibilities into our lives. And Lord, we, we, like you, want what's best for them. We want them to experience real joy and lasting peace. And so, Lord, whatever you need to do in their hearts and their minds for them to achieve that and, and accomplish that, we ask that you would move and work in that. Lord, help them to know that, that the future is in your hands and so they can be fully present today. And help them to know that the life they long for actually comes through, through walking through pain and difficulty, holding on to the grace of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray all these things. Amen.